0: This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, session number 77. You ready to do this? You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your hosts, Michael Blanc. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. As you may know by now, I am fascinated by people who do their first multifamily deal because the law of the first deal says that if you do a multifamily deal of any size, you will have replaced your income in three to five years. In fact, most do it in two to three years. So with me today, I have Peely and Jason Yarusi who just did their first multifamily deal. So of course, I want to talk to them. And it's not just a duplex. It's a 94 unit that they did with none of their own money. They raised the money. Uh, and of course, as many investors do, they have single family house flipping experience. And they saw the shortcomings of that and decided that they would get started with multifamily. And I, I really ask these detailed questions about their mindset. You know, why were they getting into real estate? What was it about single family house investing that didn't work for them? And once they discover multifamily, what were the major challenges that they, they thought uh, would hold them back and how do they overcome them? And the URUSs, they just knocked down the blocks step by step. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of valuable lessons, not only with mindset, but practical things you can do to kind of bridge that gap from single family house mindset to multifamily. So without further ado, let's get into their story right now. Welcome to the show, you guys.
1: Hey, hey, Michael, how are you?
0: It was the first time I had a husband and wife team, which is really, really great, cause it shows me that you guys are on the same page with each other. Just to give us a little introduction on yourself and what you've been up to without getting in too much detail.
2: Sure, <laughs> sure. My name is Jason, and this is my wife, Pili Urusi.
1: Nice to meet you.
2: We met back in New York City uh, about 13, 14 years ago and took us, well, it took me about 13 years to get her to look my way. And (laughs) at that point, you know, we were uh, running bars and had a few different businesses that were uh, taking us in different directions in New York City, but had always worked in the family construction business, which we move buildings and lift houses. Fast track to Hurricane Sandy happened. And just with that, my brother, the whole family really, really pushed real hard just to help the family business keep up with the influx of house raising that came on board. So in the last four and a half years, we've moved about 1,600 houses. And for that, Peely and I always had talked about real estate. My family had always talked about real estate. We had always talked about finding different ways where we could get out of the uh, grind of of just working so hard as uh, the construction business can be. And we started looking at a number of different Aspects. Peeley got a real estate license. In
1: 2013, we stopped talking. Yep. Jason, his father, and I sat down and I was like, I'll get my real estate license and let's give this a go. So we started in 2013 and it sort of has been a slow uphill from there.
0: Yep. All right, before we get into the uphill, downhill battle, so what's this conversation like? You guys are obviously talking about this stuff and we talk a lot and we want to do certain things. What was it that you guys wanted to change in your life when you said, you know, I don't want to continue down this path anymore? I'm looking for another solution. I think real estate is it. What was that discontent that you guys had developed in your life that precipitated that conversation?
1: Well, it wasn't even a discontent. In two thousand and thirteen, Jason and I decided to take huge leaps in our relationship together, and we were we got pregnant with our first. I was pregnant with our son when we first had this conversation. So of course, I couldn't I didn't want to go back to the restaurant industry. So it just made sense for me to step into another life and the life that I wanted to create for my for our family.
2: And being in uh the construction business, it's when you're moving buildings and lifting houses, the days can get long. You can't just leave projects in midday and you, you just close up at four o'clock and a lot of different components. Mm-hmm. So I've seen my dad for decades work sundown to sun up and really just it can be grueling. It can be it's very gratifying but it can be grueling. And we wanted to find a way where we can provide in other ways and more passive ways or just ways that could feel a little more, I don't know, I don't want to say fulfilling, but just give us a different avenue where we could still use our abilities or our knowledge construction and, and capitalize on that in other ways without using our hands for everything.
0: So, when you were thinking real estate, were you thinking at the time that you wanted to replace your income with real estate or was it a side thing or was it, I mean, how strategic was that idea around real estate for you?
2: I would say strategic sometimes I, I'm very <laughs> bullish, and I'll jump into the stuff without the strategy. So, so on this point, you know, we we were we were on board. We jumped in and kind of figured ourselves way way backwards from there. And and as we tried a few different things, we, you know, we flipped houses, and we've actually used some of our house lifting into some of our flips and done. We've been more prone to doing a lot more um, heavy flips, a lot more uh, time intensive, capital intensive flips, and for that showed us that this is one avenue and it's been good, but we also wanted to find ways where we could replace our income so we weren't just having to repeat this model time and time again. We learned that through really just doing it.
1: So basically, it wasn't so much a strategy as we had this idea and we sort of let it grow.
0: But you started with single family houses. You did some flipping, right? And how long did you do that?
2: What did you do? How much did you do?
1: Well, we're still doing it. Yeah.
2: You're still doing it? Yeah. Still doing it. Still doing it all here locally. And pretty quickly, we actually... I think my comfort zone can be a little uh, larger than others. So we Mm -hmm. went right into buying two duplexes out of state as well. Sure. Yeah. And we just figured, why not? So you know, (laughs) it just was something that uh, worked. And we probably made all the mistakes of not doing the due diligence correctly and just lucked out that it worked out in our favor. And so, we were able to sell those last year and made a nice return yeah. after having them rented. And for that point, I wouldn't suggest that the route we did just jump into it very quickly <laughs> is always the best one, but we got lucky. I don't think it would happen that way again.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it, it was one of my few moments of, let's say, risk-taking I had so many of our mentors telling us that, oh, don't go into that market. Or if you go into that market, don't go into that neighborhood. It's bad. Don't do it. But I just kind of had this gut feeling and I went with it. And Jason supported me all, the entire way. And we did it together and it ended up being really lucrative.
0: Who was pushing who here in the relationship? Was it Jason? Were you out there kind of going on, you know, towards the edge or was it more Peely? Who, who was doing the, the pushing here?
1: Hmm. <laughs> I, w- I would say Jason's more the pusher. I or gu- I, w- I want to say guidance. I, Guider. I, hmm.
2: I come up with the crazy ideas too many times and can be uh, taken off track too many times. And then, mm. luckily, I have people <laughs> around me to say that's crazy. And then sometimes I'm like, yeah, but it, let's still try it. Yeah. And I think this is one of these points. And Peely had actually come upon an opportunity, and I was just like, yes, let's do it, without really giving too much thought or strategizing again. But you know, I don't suggest it, but it also gave us the footprint to get to where we are yes. now and, and learn to what we want to do now and just learn from our mistakes and really learn yeah. to the right questions and the right team members and just all the processes we put in place.
1: Today. It gave us a chance to like realize what good teamwork and what the multifamily aspects of real estate could do for us because we had just, yeah. we got into duplexes, but times that by, you know, 30, 50, yeah, everything
2: else. Yeah, 100. Just, we realized the economies of scale was mm-hmm. something we were lacking on those.
0: All right, so let's talk about that. Obviously, at one point, you you discovered multifamily, right? You're know, like, oh, what is that shiny object?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: what did, you, yeah. <laughs> so, so what did you start doing with regards to multifamily? Tell me a thought process, Jason. I think it was you who took the leap. The thought process about, all oh, these single-family houses are nice, but look at that shiny object. Uh, uh-huh. Why did you start looking into
2: multifamily? It simply was that if you have a single family or a duplex, you have one roof and you have one or two tenants. And if you're a single family and you have one tenant and he moves out or she moves out, it's 100% vacant. And if the roof goes now, you know, that's it, one roof. It just pretty much dawned on me. Well, if I can have 100 doors and be. vacant, well, I'm still 95% vacant if five people move out. And if I'm in a duplex and that same thing happened, well okay, that's a whole different story. So just simple things like that really really were the pinnacle points of just saying, well, if you can duplicate this process and now the more I started looking into this, I can start affording to have team members that are just for the property. I can start to have an on-site manager, a resident manager, a, a maintenance guy, a property management company that can all focus on this building. Well, that becomes something that we could create a model and get away from doing all the work that we were doing. And especially for a duplex where... We still had to be pretty active in just making sure that the management company we had there was actually, quote unquote, managing or whatever they were doing.
0: Was there something that happened or some things that happened that kind of way you scratch your head going, hmm, maybe there's another way of doing it?
1: The duplexes, we had a management company. We had people on the ground, but we were still getting mail. We were still getting like, I think we had an eviction that we had to take care of. We had There was like a couple of tax issues and then we had like a few... Things that we didn't know that uh, Indianapolis had, like we had weeds growing, and they sent us a bill for that. And we had like a twenty-two percent ROI on this property, which was great. Mm-hmm. But that's not much if you start taking six hundred dollars here, a hundred dollars there. Whereas if you do, you know, economies of scale, if you times that by a hundred, it's like okay, six hundred dollars doesn't mean as much.
2: It was more vetting <laughs> the property management company, yeah. and and to say that we. Could have done a lot worse, sure, and we could have done a lot better. And so it, it set the parallel for us to say, okay, this management company handled it this way. How mm-hmm. can we target ourselves to find us a better property management company for the next property when we're doing it? Like What can we learn from this? And that that was something that even for the construction aspect, they were asking for draws when they weren't hitting milestones, but they, yeah. they were sending us stuff that was making it. And I just happened to go see my sister and just pop by the property. And I was like, so why are you guys asking for a draw? Because she's about an hour and a half away. And I was like, let me just go see these properties. And uh, it was at that point where there you know, there was that aha moment of everybody's confused. No one's sure what's happening. And the, oh, we don't know why we're asking you for this draw kind of moment. And I was like, there has to be a better way right. to, to have a team member that, that's supposed to be helping you for the property to systemize this. What did you do next to start looking into multifamily? What happened after that? Reading, educating as much as... I could get my hands on podcasts, I mean, just and talking to people, talking on sites like Bigger Pockets, I and mean, especially just finding people that were already doing it and learning from their processes. And so it was just getting my hands on as much as I could possibly get on to just try and figure out which direction I wanted to go, and then how I can model this. And one of the first things that really stood out is that we're in New Jersey, and it can be a very expensive market, and the returns can um, be hard to put together, just especially for this size of property, plus the capital needed for size of property here can be completely out of of the box. So one of the biggest aha moments was saying, okay, we've already gone out of state with duplexes. Let's see if we can model this in other markets. And that's why we started looking at other markets in Texas and Kentucky and looking for properties there.
0: Now, Peely, how supportive were you of all this, all this was going Um,
1: on? Well... While this big, bright, shiny object called multifamilies came along, I was actually pregnant with our second again, I have a harder time wrapping my brain around newer concepts like Jason will jump in whereas I need to like I need to know all the information. I need to know that it's a short thing. I need I need a foundation. I was supportive. I was like, okay, let's do this because we had already seen and we were already making profit in our duplexes. So I was like, okay, I just have to. And this goes for all your listeners out there. Like I know like the numbers sound scary, but it's really not. Once you take yourself to that level cuz it's just a mind shift. You just have to mind shift yourself into multifamily into the multifamily arena. So I was still pushing the single family flips while Jason started to educate himself. I mean, every time I would look he was in another book or talking to another mentor or like in another meeting. It was a roller coaster ride for, and it's been a roller coaster ride.
0: What were the, the biggest ride. challenges in your mind about multifamily, and how did you think you would overcome them?
2: It was first off, just okay. So we have a duplex. How are we going to go from a duplex to 100 units, 200 units? <laughs> just that that first like large property mentality of large must be so hard, must be difficult. We could never do that. And then the next part being, well, how are we going to afford to do this? And there was just a lot of different components that we looked at, and, but those were the two biggest points. Man, this property, how could you possibly someone buy an apartment building? And then the second part was, okay, now that maybe we get an offer accepted, how are we going to afford to do it? And so those were the first two things that I had to wrap my head around just so I could understand the concepts and different models you could use to do this. Peely, what were some of your concerns about um, all this?
1: The same, except I completely didn't understand it. I mean okay, one day he tells me we're going to buy an apartment building. I'm like, how? How are we going to afford $2 million, $3 million? How does that happen? But really, it came down to really educating myself and kind of just trusting in his vision. And where, like I said before, it's like, we have sort of a plan, but we let the plan take shape as we, like, as we learn, as we educate ourselves.
0: Now, Jason, you obviously were a bit overwhelmed with, you know, coming up with uh, the capital for the stuff, but in your mind, how do you
2: think you're going to overcome that? I guess to say that I can tackle a lot of things without worrying about them too much it was one of those points that stood out to me, but in the same part, I was like, well, we're just going to do it and we're kind of going to figure it out as we got there. <laughs> so that's sometimes the only way you can roll. And for that, what made it very helpful is that I started surrounding myself with people that you know, we're team members. And so, I started to have more comfort level and I also surrounded ourselves with mentors that were already doing it. So, now, I had people around me that were already able to do this. I understood that they, two, three, four years ago, had zero units, one unit, five units, and now they have 300 units, 500 units, 1,000 units just in the point of putting their mind to work and just making this happen. So, sure, it's definitely doable, but now I just had to take the steps and follow a path to do it. Now, how did you find these people, Jason? A lot of different ways. Some was networking, some were just friends of friends. Others were from me reaching out to people that I would meet in different networking groups, whether it's RIA meetings or also just bigger pockets. I actually met a guy who uh, has 2000 units in San Antonio that just so happens to live one mile from us here in New Jersey. Just so happens we were looking at different property owners through a point in San Antonio and I saw Cranford, New Jersey, which is half mile from us. Said, wow, that is right under our (laughs) nose. Just called the guy up and just said, this is crazy, but I'm trying to buy multifamily properties. I was wondering if I could just come down there and ask you a few questions. And he said, about what? I said, just how you've done it. He said, sure, come on down. Just talked with him for about an hour and a half. And even to this day, I just throw some things at him once in a while. It just gives me a quick answer back and just stuff like that. Just reaching out to find find answers to the questions that I didn't really know which direction to go to. So, the more you talk to people, the more
0: you believe that you could do this also.
2: Yeah. There became a point where it wasn't so much like, could we do this? It was that, okay, we're going to do this. Now let's just find the property. And now here's the steps to do it. So let's find a market. Let's find a team. Let's find the properties we're searching for. Let's get out there, meet brokers, meet property management companies, you know, meet insurance companies, meet the lawyers in the area, and let's just start making this happen. And then our mind was set and we were going for it.
0: Now you were going to raise the capital
2: for this stuff, right? Correct. Why did you think you could do that? You know, it was that I had just seen others do it. There, there was no other point besides I had just seen others do it, but it was a big hurdle because that was one of the biggest points that you start going out to family and friends. That's just your, your first initial approach. So now here is Jason and Peeley that we've worked in bars, we've had restaurants, you know, we've had different businesses, we work in construction, and now we're buying apartments. So the first makes person- perfect
0: sense. Yeah, exactly. Yes.
2: <laughs> exactly. So that was the first question to people it was like, you're doing what? uh, It was like, okay, let's backtrack. This is why we're doing it. And this is why we feel that this is going to be a great investment and that we're fully divested to go in this direction. And we want to just talk to you about it because this is the opportunities that we're going to be looking to go after. And when we do find an opportunity, would this be something that you would be interested in hearing about more? And that's basically how we started getting it out and and talking to people because that was one of the more difficult points is... You're trying to raise money for a deal you've never done and a deal you don't have. But if I started this process the second we had a deal under contract, then I'd be so far behind the eight ball because I'd have to explain that whole step of why Jason's buying apartments again. So for anybody out there, that was one of the biggest steps for us is that tell everybody what you're doing, talk to people, especially if you're going to syndicate on a deal, about what you're going to be looking to do just so people are comfortable with the idea of you doing this And just how your thought process is going before you actually get to that first deal. Oh, sorry.
1: And also, because Jason and I had never done this before, Jason was basically selling people on himself. He had a background of success in other businesses. So it was sort of like a, why not? He has other successes. He will succeed in this. That was the bottom line that Jason was going to succeed.
0: Yeah, that's right. You can take that. People see a pattern of success, right? Yes. And they can say, oh, I see you did this and did this. And they're not directly related, but there's a pattern here. So you kind of built a track record, even though it was, quote, unrelated.
2: So tell us about your uh, first deal then. Sure. I mean, the first thing we did is said, okay, where can we find markets that that are maybe not, not the market like New Jersey, where where I'm at such a price point, but still have population growth, job growth, job diversity, the housing starts are not out of this world and it just still has the drivers. And so looked in North Carolina. It was an area that we were really aggressively going after and just weren't hitting the points, weren't finding it. Then we were in Texas, the same thing. And the third market we were targeting on and it was almost like it was like the last one we were actually focusing on was Kentucky. And Kentucky had Friends I grew up with here in New Jersey that were some of my best friends and their family was from there. They moved back there 20 years ago and I just randomly been to Kentucky a number of times. And Then my sister moved there after college for work. Really knew it well, knew a lot of the areas well, so we started to hone down and find team members one of the first things we did is reach out to every property management company around and they all kept steering us back to one property management company. Jet really has uh, they have 5,000 units under management. They focus on the type of asset we were focusing on. And we had that talk with them, talked a lot with them. And for the next couple months, built a great relationship. And we started passing some properties we had coming across our table just to them. They were giving us feedback. And the good part we liked is they they were very quick to tell us. They were not just saying, great, let's do it. They, they were very quick to tell us that this is not a property to suggest for this many reasons, and and give us the, the criteria of what they thought would make this property a better property, if it was a property they'd give a thumbs up to.
0: Yeah. So they the, were invaluable team member as correct. you were getting into deals. And I bet you they gave you a lot of credibility when you mentioned you're working with these guys and the broker goes, oh yeah, I know those guys they are great. And yeah. all of a sudden your lack of experience is like, it's uh, irrelevant.
2: Correct. Correct. And that was a very big point for us because once we had them on board and they knew that I at least knew the market, I basically could tell them the submarkets markets that we really wanted to focus on. And they had a property that had been on the market maybe a year prior and they knew about it. And they knew that it was still something that the owner was interested in selling. The, uh, the father, was a, he's up in his 90s right now. The kid's if you call them kids, they're actually in their 60s and all out of state. None of them were involved in a property and they have like a thousand units. And this Mm. was the largest property they had. It was one of the few that he hadn't built. So, it was one of the ones that he wasn't just personally invested in. So, It wasn't getting the intention it needed and had a ton of upside. And he said, well, you know, I I bet if you put in an offer, they'd probably uh, still be interested in selling. So we went in there and, and put in an offer. And just based on the numbers that worked for us, and it happened to be, Quite lower than what they had it listed for uh, about a year earlier. And so mm. they came back with an offer that was almost, it was actually a million over where we were. They countered back to us. And we just said, no, listen, just this is kind of worked work for us. And, you know, we'll just kind of let it sit there. Hmm. But I think four or five months went by, went back to the property and we offered just $50,000 higher. And at that point, they cut their counter back to $600,000. So mm-hmm. we had just an immediate reaction that we knew there was something working there, and over the next three four months, kind of chiseled away that got us to our price point that was still about a hundred thousand under our max allowable offer. And on that point, it was an offer they were happy to go forward with because it was just becoming a troubled property for them.
0: Right, exactly right. So now you're going kind to of probably freak out. They're like, "Oh my gosh, they accepted a number. Now we got to uh, write a sign a contract." And when we do
2: that, now what do I do? Right? Were you starting to freak out at this point? You know, it was a point of just. You, you start to have a all your different hats that you have to wear. And you know, I had uh, my team members and my partner Kevin and Peely, we were all working on getting this to the closing. And one of the things we think about going further is how could we make this process a little more streamlined for the next one. But for this one, it was, there's always different hats to wear. We have to raise money, we have to get the due diligence, we have to, you know, get the financing involved, have to make sure the property management company plans set up, make sure that the property still function to the point where we can get the right financing we want. And then make sure we can analyze the deal and make sure that even at this point we're still being conservative with our numbers that we can still meet the returns we want to make for our investors. Yeah. So, okay, let's do all that together and let's just let's just get it done. And that yeah, was you, kind of You the mind seem
0: very it. calm and Peeley is already going. I think you were probably freaking out a little bit more at this time.
1: <laughs> no, I'm I'm laughing because Jason doesn't really freak out. He gets excited about stuff like this. <laughs> when the stuff hits the fan, he's like, "Okay, it's game time. I'm going to go." <laughs> Whereas not. I'm just like you so it's Wow, it's happening! It's wow. Okay, okay, <laughs> le- okay. Let's do this. Yeah. In my, of course, in my brain, I'm like freaking. I'm like, okay, how are we gonna do this now? What? <laughs>
2: I, I think that's been one of the most important parts that I've been trying to still learn to this day for our relationship. Because sometimes I'll be like, "Okay, let's do this," and I'll take off, and then I'll, and I'll realize, I like, mean, like, you know, like two minutes later, she's still standing there, like, "Wait, wait where are we going?" Yeah, let me <laughs> run back there. Okay, let's start over. So, so,
0: how much money did you have to raise for this? And uh, we
2: were right it? under eight hundred thousand. Yeah, that's a good, that, a
0: good, good little raise for a first deal.
2: Yeah. How did that go? Uh, I mean,
0: uh, did you already have the eight hundred thousand committed when you started this thing, or was it kind of like you had some committed, but you still had to go
2: get the rest? It was a couple of different levels. And a good learning experience for us was, yes, we verbally had this committed. And on that point, then you start going back to all the people who had said that they were involved. And we found that it, the due diligence process, we did one thing that, that helped us a ton is that when we put our contract in, we said that due diligence won't start until we give them written notice that we received all the items back from that we've Very wanted. Good. That took about 30 days. So, we yeah. had an extra 30 days there that that we would have lost just for them. And they were bringing over boxes of papers. They had rent raises on napkins. It was like, it was insane of what the things we were trying to go through. Well, throughout that process... We had some people that, one group, and they wanted to invest, but they felt bad telling us that the wife had started a business and they got a bigger tax bill than they thought they had. And so, we were about 20 days out from closing and all of a sudden, we found that a good amount of capital we no longer had because they said, oh, you know, we just felt so bad telling you that we just couldn't do it. And it was like, listen... No problem. And it was just one of those things is that you would hope people tell you earlier next time and it was just because they felt really bad. And that was okay. You know, it was a learning process. So, we had to scramble a little bit about the end just to (laughs) fill in that gap right there. And... Next time, you know, it's just I don't think it will ever be seamless. You know, you can keep one apart, but that was one of the points that stood out. We said, "Oh, wait, that's okay, no problem. You don't have to be in the deal. We don't want you to be at the point where you're basically straining yourself. This wants to be a win-win for everybody." But them kind of holding off that month and a half, waiting to tell us, kind of left us a little short-handed right at the finish line there.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So how's so you close on it saying how's the
2: deal performed since then? Are you happy with it? Could it be better. We're very happy with it. Things are going very well. We had a funny scenario where we had two deaths at the property that were completely just of natural causes. And so that was two parts where it's a 94 unit apartment. And just in point of, you know, we've had it now just on the point of four months that that was just something we hadn't planned for in part of our strategy. So that was a learning process that you have to actually go through an eviction process when you do that for the whole point. That was a learning scenario. But besides that, we're actually achieving our rent increases. We're actually getting $19 more than we had actually anticipated. We were looking nice. at we were going to get the one bedrooms up to 575 and they're hitting uh, 594. So that's been incredible for that. We had the property was just under disrepair. There was no leases. So for that point, we put all estoppels in that they would go on to month to month. Let's say the tenant class, just because they were paying less rent, doesn't mean that they were bad tenants. They were just offered less rent. So we've been doing moderate rent increases for the people that have been very good tenants, very good payers, Given them the opportunity that we were doing raises of 25% just so we weren't having a mass exodus with our vacancy. And then on all the new uh, turnovers, we've been taking them up to market. Yeah. And that's fared very well for us.
0: Very nice, nice. Any lessons learned? Anything that went wrong or anything like that? Those things that
2: surprised you maybe? You know, we had day one that we need to walk every unit the morning of closing. Because they had three units that ended up being blacked out when we first started that we hadn't accounted in there as being vacant. And luckily or not, they didn't have too much stress. But when we took over, we weren't expecting that just off the gate that that would happen. So going forward, you know, we'll walk that morning of closing every unit, regardless of size. Yeah, that's very nice.
1: Another lesson that we learned, and we're also part of a high-level group of investors in the flipping area of investment real estate. And we went on a mastermind and we talked about multifamilies with them. And one of the mentors looked me straight in the eye. He was like, why didn't I get this phone call? <laughs> I looked at him. I'm just like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, Okay. I should yeah. have called you. <laughs> should, yeah. uh, talk to everyone. That's the lesson. Talk to everyone. Tell yeah. everybody what you're doing That's right. in any aspect of real estate. I didn't even think to like merge the two. And all of these high-level investors are so super interested in multifamilies now that we've, we've talked to them about it. We Again, actually, it's a mind shift.
2: We actually started a local meetup, a multifamily meetup, because there wasn't mm-hmm. one here in the area. Mm-hmm. Just really with no intention, but just to get people together and talk about multifamily. And it's been a great turnout. And we've had a lot of people that are interested in investing in projects where it, there's no pitch there. There's nothing. And we're just getting a group together. And it's just been amazing to see how many people are interested in, in this field, in this avenue. Because before we started on this, mm-hmm. it was like, know yeah, this unicorn, like, oh, buying apartment buildings. So you know, I, I don't know who does that. But so many people are really interested in it. So you just have to keep talking and telling people what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? We actually uh, just have an LI accepted on a 47 unit. That's in the same area in there in Kentucky. And we we love the deal. And the reason we went after this one is there is a 57 unit right across the parking lot that's also off market, but up for sale. So, for that, we're going to look to combo it. And the management company's office is less than a quarter mile away. So, a lot of different points right there that are great. And the same one here, mom and pop shop. The guy's been duct taping everything forever. The rents are $150 under market. It's all two bedrooms, 880 uh, square feet for bedrooms. Has a much bigger capex than our prior property. The roofs were supposedly replaced. I think he just found some guys off the street and just threw them up there and put a new roof on two years ago. So we'll see how that looks during due diligence, all the HVAC. He has not replaced them. He just changes out parts. So there's a lot of capex that's going to be required for this one. We're looking about $7,500 a unit just. To get this up, but we feel good because there's just a ton of upside if we can just make sure to account correctly for all that capex that's going to be there. Yeah,
1: and then it's just talking to people and educating mm-hmm. people on all aspects of real estate, multifamily and flipping included. We have a podcast called the REI Foundation Podcast, and we have Multifamily Mondays where we only talk about multifamilies.
0: That is that is fantastic. That's fantastic. No, I appreciate Thanks. you guys sharing your your experience. What, what's your advice to people? I'm going to say people, real estate investors, and a lot of real estate investors, you know, they don't do anything. But a lot of them, they do. They have single family house rentals. They do some flips. What's your advice to people who are doing that, and, and they're doing it because they probably want to quit their job, right? They want to quit the rat race, and and they're doing this and they're taking action. They either don't know about multifamily, or they kind of they kind of uh, view it as an advanced strategy they might graduate to in you know twenty thirty years. What is your advice to the average real estate investor who wants to quit their job or you know retire early?
1: Well, we actually had this conversation with another flipper, and she was saying that, you know, this is multifamily, is, is her and her husband's end game. And I looked at her, I was like, well, when does your end game start? Like, now. You start it now. You get into it now. This is something you do now for generational wealth. Because flipping, the flipping industry is more of a job, unless you systematize it like anything. But the multifamily industry, I mean, that's. It's a whole nother ball game, and it's so much to learn. So you start now. Do it now. Why did you get into investing in the first place? And how did you get into it? It's because you started. You started taking action. So that would be my advice is to just get started. Do it.
2: And if you're taking action in, in single families, that's awesome. But imagine you can go out there and buy... 80 units or 100 units and the economy skill works so much in your favor that you're actually going to be able to get a loan easier than you are if you have 11 rental properties that are single family homes hard because to believe, it's yeah. all based on you. And yeah. it's hard to believe, but if you're just looking at the numbers, that's actually going to play in your favor because it's more about the property performing and then secondly about you. And then for this, you really will have a hard time if you have, you know, five or six rentals to afford a proper property management company. And you're paying out the nose for all your maintenance unless you're doing it yourself, where you can afford to have this whole team that's designated for a property. 100 units, you can have a property management company, professional third-party property management company. You can have an onsite resident manager. You can have a full-time office to be able to have a leasing office. You can have a maintenance guy designated for a property that can all be afforded by this property. And then you will not have to worry about if you are having one single family home and it's vacant, well, you're vacant. If you have one vacancy and 100 unit apartments, well, you're still in pretty good shape. Yeah, that's right.
0: one of the things that I like what you guys have done. First of all, you're doing this together, which is which is fantastic. That's number one. Number two is yes, you educate yourself, a lot of people do, but one of the things you did is you kinda of put blinders on, especially you Jason. You just kinda of, just kinda of bumble through it, you know? And Peely's like, oh, maybe we should, you know, you know, just think about this a little more and you're like, ah, screw it. you know. You <laughs> so
1: my hand and pulled me just kind of,
0: The other thing you did well is you started to talk everybody, right? And I'm certain that once you started meeting people who were doing what you wanted to do, your comfort zone started to expand yeah. significantly and you started to believe that you could do this. Maybe you didn't know all the details, but you you were very confident you could figure it out. And so as you, you attracted more people to you, all of a sudden your confidence level expanded significantly, right? And then, and then frankly, one thing leads to another. You know, It's a lot of people sitting there at the local REIA meeting and they're like, how does this guy do 94 units? It's impossible. When you started out, you weren't thinking, I'm going to do 94 units in 12 months, right? You just kind of said... Hey, what do I need to do next? Oh, I got to go there. I got to talk to that guy. And I think that's the lesson here is I think sometimes we just kind of put blinders on and just do stuff and we can't have it all figured out. It's, it's almost impossible to have it all figured yes. out, which means that if you feel like you need to figure it out up front, you're never going to get there because you're just not going to have that. So love yeah. that. Um, so, exactly. So, Thank hey, you. If people want to get a hold of you, how can people find you?
1: They can find us on the REI Foundation podcast. You can find us on iTunes.
2: And if you want to uh, send us an email, you can, uh, it's jason at com or pili at com.
1: Email us. We're up to talk to anyone, really.
0: All right. Well, I'll put in the show notes and don't be surprised if your email starts you know, burning hot after (laughs) the podcast airs. So I really appreciate you guys sharing your story with us.
1: Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for having us here.
0: So if you want to get started with multifamily, the first thing you have to do is decide. That's the first thing. Then educate yourself. Do what Jason and Peely have done. Uh, If you want to start with something, learn how to raise money. Start by downloading my free ebook called The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. You can get it on my website, themichaelblanc.com forward slash ebook. That's T-H-E, themichaelblanc.com forward slash ebook. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is kind of do what Jason kind of does: just just put on blinders and just do the next three things that you know you need to do. Don't think about the 101 things that get you to your first deal. It'll just overwhelm you. Just think of the next three things you got to do and just do them. Don't ask a lot of questions. Don't overanalyze. Just kind of do it. And number three, just talk to everybody. Start meeting people. Start surrounding yourself by a, a group of mentors, group of coaches, people of experience uh, that can guide you and support you and help you believe. So there you go. I hope you guys found inspiration with that. Uh, just a quick announcement also. The live event that we have in October is uh, is full. We actually doubled the capacity of that. I appreciate you guys signing up for that. Uh, really affirming for me that hands-on apartment building workshop is something that we got to do again in the future. So I will do that again in April. I'll keep you posted on that. So stay tuned. Get on my email list. And so you'll know about the next event. Also, I put this in the show notes. If you want to get a hold of the Roussies, it'll be at themichaelblunk.com forward slash session 76 of the show notes with their email address. so You can get a hold of those guys. Uh, please do overwhelm them with emails. They're going to love it. And I'm sure you get a lot of value out of that as well. So anyway, guys, hope you found that useful. I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc For more free podcasts, Articles and videos go to themichaelblock.com. There you can also download the free ebook The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.